Chapter Thirty Nine of Doom Castle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Doom Castle by Neil Monroe. Chapter Thirty Nine. Betrayed by a Ballad. Some days passed, and a rumor went about the town, in its origin as indiscoverable as the birthplace of the winds. It engaged the seamen on the tiny trading vessels at the quay, and excited the eagerest speculation in Ludovic's inn. Women put down their water-stoops at the wells, and shook mysterious heads over hints of Sim McTaggart's history. No one for a while had a definite story, but in all the innuendos the Chamberlain figured vaguely as an evil influence. That he had slain a man in some parts abroad was the first and the least astonishing of the crimes laid to his charge, though the fact that he had never made a brag of it was counted sinister. But by and by surmise and sheer imagination gave place to a commonly accepted tale that Simon had figured in diverse escapades in France with the name Drimdarach, that he had betrayed men and women there, and that the Frenchman had come purposely to Scotland seeking for him. It is the most common of experiences that the world will look for years upon a man admiringly, and still be able to recall a million things to his discredit when he is impeached with some authority. It was so in this case. The very folks who had loved best to hear the engaging flagellet, feeling the springs of some nobility bubble up in them at the bidding of its player, and drunk with him, and laughed with him, and ever esteemed his free gentility, were the readiest to recall features of his character and incidents of his life that, as they put it, ought to have set honest men upon their guard. The tale went seaward on the gabbards, and landward even to Lorne itself, upon carriers' carts, and as the richest part of the packman's budget. Furthermore, a song or two was made upon the thing, that even yet old women can recall in broken stanzas, and of one of these, by far the best informed, Petullo's Clark was the reputed author. As usual, the object of the scandal was for a while unconscious. He went about experiencing a new aloofness in his umquile friends, and finally concluded that it was due to his poor performance in front of the foreigner on the morning of the ball, and that but made him the more venomously ruminant upon revenge. In these days he haunted the avenues like a spirit, brooding on his injuries, pondering the means of a retaliation. There were no hours of manumission in the inn, the reed was still, and yet to do him justice there was even then the frank and suave exterior, no boorish awkward silence in his ancient gossips made him lose his jocularity, he continued to embellish his conversation with morals based on universal kindness and goodwill. At last the thunder broke, for the scandal reached the castle, and was there overheard by the Duchess in a verse of the ballad sung under her window by a gardener's boy. She made some inquiries, and thereafter went straight to her husband. "'What is this I hear about your chamberlain?' she asked. Argyle drew down his brows and sighed. "'My Chamberlain,' said he, 
"'It must be something dreadful by the look of her grace the Duchess. "'What is it this time? "'High treason, or marriage, or the need of it? "'Or has old Knapdale died by a blessed disposition "'and left him a fortune? "'That would save me the performance of a very unpleasant duty.' it has gone the length of scurrilous songs about our worthy gentleman the town has been ringing with scandals about him for a week and i never heard a word about it till half an hour ago and so you feel defrauded my dear which is natural enough being a woman as well as a duchess i am glad to know that so squalid a story should be so long of reaching your ears had it been anything to anybody's credit you would have been the first to learn it to tell the truth i have heard the song myself and if i have seemed unnaturally engaged for a day or two it is because i have been in a quandary as to what i should do now that you know the story what do you advise my dear a mere woman must leave that to the lord justice general she replied and now that your chamberlain turns out a greater scamp than i thought him i'm foolish enough to be sorry for him oh, and so am i said the duke and looked about the shelves of books lining the room here's a multitude of counsellors a great deal of the world's wisdom so far as it has been reduced to print and i'll swear i could go through it from end to end without learning how i should judge a problem like sim mctaggart she would have left him then, but he stopped her with a smiling interrogation. Well, he said. She waited. What about the uh, customary privilege, he went on. What is that? Why, you have not said, I told you so. She smiled at that. How stupid of me, she said. Oh, <laughs> but you forgave my frenchman and for that i owe you some consideration did i faith said he twas mighty near the compounding of a felony a shocking lapse in a justice-general to tell the truth i was only too glad in mctaggart's interest while he was ill to postpone disclosures so unpleasant as are now the talk of the country and like you i find him infinitely worse in these disclosures than i guessed the duchess went away the duke grew grave reflecting on his duty what it clearly was he had not decided until it was late in the evening and then he sent for his chamberlain End of chapter thirty nine